Good morning and welcome to this worship assembly. And this is the time when we open our Bibles and listen to what God has written for our use today and our preparation for eternity. I'll be in the book of Luke during this sermon. You can be opening to the book of Luke and I'll give you the locations as we go along. You see on the screen a question that immediately conveys some sense of despair. Not knowing where you are. No good sense of direction. You just can't seem to find your way. And to put that in three words, you are lost. But I'm going to frame that into a question, are you lost? And of course, we're not talking about physical location, geography, or earthly navigation. In your life, are you lost? In your relationship with God, are you lost? As you face the certain prospect of death, are you lost? And I think one of the sections of Scripture God has given for us to help us determine our condition is in the book of Luke. I've selected three passages from the book of Luke. And the point of this is to consider what it means to be lost. As each of us make that determination in the light of God's Word. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. I'm going to start at verse 25 and read through verse 37. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You've answered correctly, do this and you will live. But he desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, <clears throat> when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his animal and brought him to an end and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. 
and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Did you know that here in the state of Texas, there is a law on the books called the Texas Good Samaritan Act. It's very brief. Here's the way it reads. A person who in good faith administers emergency care at the scene of an emergency or in a hospital is not liable in civil damages for an act performed during the emergency unless the act is willfully and wantonly neglect. The law here in Texas and in other states is written to encourage citizens to act in good faith and do the very best they know how to do to come to the aid of a fellow citizen in distress. Even if you're not a trained first responder, the law is written to protect you and encourage you to just do what you're able to do. To help the one at the scene of an emergency. It's about being a good neighbor. And by the way, did you hear in the passage we read, that's what Jesus is talking about. Who your neighbor is. <coughs> and... You may not know the person's name. You may not know why or how they were injured. Rendering help was not on your itinerary. And you are not a trained rescuer. There may be others who come along, maybe they can help. Those are some of the common passing thoughts that we might have in common. Well, a priest came along and he passed by on the other side. Another religious person came along, a Levite, but he passed by without helping. These men were busy. They had things to do. They had important positions. Maybe they were running late and they didn't know the man who fell among the robbers anyway. And they figured somebody else would come along and help. Somebody did come along, a Samaritan. Samaritans were generally despised among the Jewish culture. But a Samaritan came along and he saw the victim. The Samaritan had a destination like the others. He had things to do. He didn't know the victim, but he saw more than an anonymous victim. He had compassion. He rendered aid and went above and beyond the minimal, ordinary care. Jesus said he proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers. He showed mercy. And then Jesus said to the man who raised the question and to all who were listening, you go and do likewise. I tell you, there are people who are lost because they have no mercy in their hearts. 
They are self-absorbed. They have things to do. And therefore, they've not equipped themselves with compassion for people that they could help. Self-centered, too busy. Someone else will do it. I have a schedule. I have obligations. Jesus says, you certainly do have obligations. And one obligation is to help your neighbor out of compassion, mercy, sacrifice. Do your best to come to the aid of those who need help. So these lost people may be busy, may have a heavy schedule, may be late, may not know the victim, but none of that changes what Jesus said. Go and do likewise. Go and do this. If we are lost because we are self-absorbed, we need to listen to what Jesus said. Go and do this. Take into account the needs of others, aside from the pressing business and obligations on your schedule. Luke 12. <clears throat> Luke chapter 12, 13 through 21. 13 through 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to the man, Who made me a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. <clears throat> and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So, in this context, in this scene, Jesus is discussing important spiritual matters. When, as it was often the case, an interruption came. Jesus, I'm in this conflict with my brother. It's about the will, the family estate. I want you to tell him to pay up. Jesus said, I'm not here for that. And then Jesus said, you all need to be careful. Be on your guard against covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Now, <clears throat> Jesus could have stopped there and he made the point. But he wanted to make sure everybody understood. So he told a story about this man whose fields produced abundant crops. And therefore he had a storage problem. He had a storage problem. I've got so much this season. 
I don't know what to do with all of it. And then he thought, I know what I'll do. I'll just build more storage. Now that wasn't wrong. But then he made this statement. He said to himself, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax. Eat, drink, and be merry. If you had a Bible with graphic interface right at verse 10, there would be a huge smiling face. Relax. Eat. Drink. And be merry. Or there might be in a pictorial interface a hammock or a beach chair or a buffet with drinks and music, all set. However, sometimes when you think you've got everything all set, there's a matter you didn't give good thought to, that you should have given thought to first. Verse 20, But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared... Whose will they be? So, to put all this in modern terms, the IRA is loaded, the checks are hitting the bank the first of each month, full insurance coverage, Uh, I need to build more storage places, open more accounts, but I can contract that out, I'm all set. We are never all set without God. No matter what else we think we have, We are never all set without God. Because the final accounting will not be to count barns or checks and retirement funds. The ultimate accounting has to do not with what you have in the bank, but who you are in your life relationship with God. Some people are lost because they have thought of everything Everything is covered except God. Treasure has been laid up for self, but they're not rich before God. They're bankrupt when it comes to relationship with God. Covetousness, I read the other day, is that spiritual disease which causes a man to be more concerned about time than eternity. And with more anxiety for this life that chokes out all his interest in the life to come after death. Some people are lost because of this. Luke chapter 15. This will be a little longer read, but we need it all. Luke chapter 15, I'll start at verse 11. And read over through verse 32. Long read, but we need it all. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there... He squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So 
he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received back him, uh, received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. I wonder how many millions or billions of young men have said, I'm out of here. Parental authority is oppressive. These people in this house are boring. There is so much more out there that I'm excited to experience and entitled to experience. And then the first few days away from home, it's a blast. You see things you've never seen. You meet people more exciting than the folks in the old neighborhood. And without parental authority, you just get wasted and then go broke. You didn't count on a famine. And hunger. And now there is no fun in the pig pen. But you don't have to stay unemployed, so you hire out, you eat with the pigs, not stuff that's on the steam tables at Luby's. 
So verse 17 says, he came to himself. What am I doing? What have I done? Not many experiences will bring your senses alive like being broke and eating in a pig pen. He came to himself and he said, this is it, I've got to go back. Imagine his thoughts on the way back. Daddy's probably not going to let me in the door. I'm going to be grounded for a year and a half. Everybody's going to be critical and make fun of me. I may get no welcome, no clean clothes, no home cooking. He got home and confessed to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And then beginning in verse 22, and down through the end of the story, you've got what Paul Harvey would call the rest of the story. There are people today, perhaps some in this audience, lost like this prodigal son, wandered away from God, thinking life would be better without God, enjoying the pleasures of life for a while, but winding up spiritually empty and broken and impoverished. Maybe eating well at gourmet tables, but spiritually empty, starving, dying. There is a Father in heaven who will say to those who come back to Him, You were lost, but now you're found. You were dead, but now you're alive. And then comes the reunion and the celebration of a lost soul united back at home. So, <clears throat> there are those who are lost, like the priest and the Levite, so involved in their own business and lifestyle and busy schedule, they cannot and will not stop and pause in life to help others. They have places to go and things to do. There are those who are lost like the rich man. They're relaxed. They're taking it easy. They've got money in the bank. No concerns. No worries. But no future because death will not take them to a good place. And then there are those who are lost like this son who thought they were smart enough and mature enough and ready to leave the family to walk away from the father and live a good exciting life only to discover how wrong they were and how lost they were and how at home they needed to be. In all three of these narratives we've studied, the answer is the same. Come back to God. You can't get ready to live or die without Him. You can't make it on your own. You can't ignore your Creator. You can't really avoid the reality of the cross unless you're determined to be lost forever. A broken and contrite heart, God will not despise. Psalm 51, 17. If you recognize that God is sovereign, the Bible is His Word, Christ is the Son of God, sin is the problem, and Christ is the solution. 
Why not hear this message, believe it, confess your faith in Christ, be baptized, and live faithfully at home with God? Won't you come while we stand together to sing?